clap from where you're at. Let's give God a hand clap from where you're at. Let's give God a hand clap. Yeah. Well, good morning, church. Uh, man, Josh, thank you for serving the way you did this morning. And boy, this is this is so different for us. We're talking yeah, into a camera here. So yes, it is. But man, it is a uh, it's so cool to be here with you all. Um, we miss them, don't we? We do. We do. Man, miss you guys a ton. Hey, look, we got a few announcements we're going to give to you guys just to make sure we're trying to stay connected here. You know, we talked about this this past week that social distancing doesn't have to mean spiritual distancing. And it doesn't have to mean that we can't be in relationships still uh, through different platforms. And so part of that is gathering like we're doing right now on YouTube Live. Um, also here in this YouTube Live link below uh, in the comments, there's a link to our connections card. I know that there are some of you who are watching today who've actually never been a part of the brook. You've never even come to the brook. Uh, maybe this is all new to you. And I'm just, I'm glad. We're glad you're here watching with us. Uh, we, we're so glad you're connecting with us. And if you would click that link to the connections card, just fill it out. Let us know you're watching. Let us know how we can pray for you. And Brook family, there in that connections link, there is a prayer request section. Man, we know you guys are going through stuff. I know Pastor Jeremy and I, we talked uh, to a number of different people this week via phone call, text. We know some of you guys are really burdened. You're anxious. Some of you are feeling the pressure financially. And so please let us know how we can pray for you by filling out that prayer request or connections card. Yeah, with that being said, you know, usually as a church, we gather throughout the northwest side of Chicago in these things called real communities. Yeah. Real communities are, we define them as a family of missionary servants who make disciples. And obviously there's great restrictions right now in terms of our gatherings weekly. Uh, therefore, um, real communities will be starting up this week through a platform called Zoom. You may have heard of it. Um, it's much like FaceTime or Skype. And we're going to be holding those gatherings gatherings as real communities on yeah. the same days that we meet. That's Wednesdays and Thursdays, and that's going to be at 7 p.m. to about 8 p.m. And each real community leader is going to be giving or sending a link out um, to all of the groups. And as Pastor Eric said, if if you're new to the Brook and you're like, man, I, I want to be part of these Zoom gatherings yeah. on real communities, email us at thebrookshy at gmail.com and we can give you um, a link to one of those gatherings on Wednesday or Thursday Again, at 7 p.m., you can um, pretty much connect through your smartphone, your tablet, uh, through your computer. Um, we want everyone to join us. And I want to I want to even try to crash Zoom <laughs> because so many of us went online um, to, to gather together. Um, that's a joke, but. Hopefully that makes you laugh a little bit. No, no one in the room laughed because there's just pretty much four of yeah. us in here right now. Yeah, so. I'm, not, I'm not that funny. <laughs> I'm not that funny. Yeah. Uh, we okay. also want to encourage you guys to keep worshiping God through your giving. Uh, we know that a lot of you guys are going through some financial challenges, and we just want to recognize that. And others um, are still saying, hey, how can, we, how can we give through our online platforms? There's also a link there in the comments on how you can do that online. You can set up automated giving. Uh, so it, come to the, it comes out every month or every week. Uh, depending how you're, however you want it to get set up. That's a huge gift to us as a church so we can continue doing things like this. Um, there's technological advances we needed to do as a church in the past two weeks that our, our brother Tito Scaret uh, made happen. And so we just are thankful for that and want that to, to continue on. So please give online, give cheerfully, give sacrificially, and give saying, God, I want to be a part of the work you're doing to get this word out across the globe throughout various platforms. 
Um, and with that, we just want to keep praying as well for our globe and for the world and for all that's going on with this coronavirus. Yeah, so as a church, this Wednesday and Thursday, we want to call everyone who calls the Brook home or wants to connect with the Brook to a, a church-wide fast, yeah. a time of praying and prayer and fasting on Wednesday and Thursday. And I want to explain to you what fasting is, if, if you're unfamiliar. Fasting is when you deny your body of something it usually needs to demonstrate to God that he is more important than anything that your body needs. Um, this can be uh, something like food. Um, usually you see that throughout the scriptures, people would fast food. Uh, maybe you, you want to fast a meal. Um, or maybe it's media or technology during this time. And that, this might be anti to what you see nowadays because that's where we get our information but Wednesday and Thursday could be a sweet time where you could connect with yeah. God and connect with him in a special way and why do we do this uh, so that God um, could reset our habits at a time like this and so that we can get breakthrough in our lives in very in, in various areas uh, so we want to encourage you on Wednesday and Thursday um, maybe one of those days if you can only do one um, to fast on on something that you you're usually dependent on in terms of your body. That's great, man. That's great. Well, this, these are the things that are going on. Obviously, church, we don't know what the future is going to hold for us. I mean, in terms of when we're going to be able to get together in person, I'll tell you this much. When we get the permission to get together and gather again, we're going to celebrate, y'all. It's I mean, going to be lit. It's gonna, man, we are just anxious, man. Like, we're just ready. We're eager for it. But we're going to be patient, right? We're going to be wise. We know this is the best thing right now. Um, we know there's so many people across the world who are suffering. And so uh, we definitely want to just do whatever we can to contribute to the healing of our world. And right now it's by uh, the social distancing. Um, last thing I want to do is, uh, Brooke Kids, can you rise to your feet? We're going to dismiss you to your bed. No, I'm just kidding. We're keeping you here. All right. <laughs> say on our website we have a link that has Brook Kids lessons there for you parents to give to your kids. This is super cool. I'm so thankful for our team to put that out and make it available to you because you know what? Your kids are still hungry for God's word. These kids know it. They're soaking it up when you're getting down there and we want you to have this opportunity. You have the curriculum there. You can make that part of your family worship this week. Maybe pick Tuesday night or, or Thursday night or wherever to sit down and say, let's get through this lesson together. It's already written for you. You just got to read it, go through it, and just watch what God does. It's going to be pretty sweet. Um, all right, so before, before we get into God's word, Pastor Jamie, would you pray for us? Would you pray for our church family? Um, we feel so far, but we also know that God brings us near. Would you just lift, lift up a, a prayer to, to our God? Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, your word tells us that this is the day that the Lord has made. That's right. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Yep. Lord, and while the world, Lord, may be uh, anxious about this virus, while the world, Lord, might be in panic because they don't know what their hope is in, yeah. Lord, we thank you that at the very least, we get to rejoice in the fact that Jesus is on the throne, yes. that Jesus will never forsake us, and that the very least, we have eternal life. Amen. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for that hope. And we rejoice. We praise you all over the city, all over the world, whoever may be watching us, Lord. We praise you, Lord, at this moment. Yes. Father, I just want to pray for all of our needs and our concerns because although we do have real, con um, a real hope, real eternal life, Lord, we do have concerns and we want to take precaution. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom at a time like this. We pray that you would give us healing. Lord, we pray that you would kick back 
push back the mm-hmm. coronavirus, mm-hmm. Lord, that you would make it cease, we ask in yes, Jesus' God. name. Yes, and God. we pray, Lord, that people would see that only Jesus has the answer to this That's virus, right. Lord. Only Jesus has the, has the, has the solution, Lord, um, to anything that we face in this world. And we pray, Lord, that people would see Jesus high and lifted up, yeah. Lord, through every church that's being broadcasted right now yes, all over the world. Father, be with us. We ask, Lord, that you would grow us in your presence. Father, that we would grow as men and women who love you and who know you and who mm-hmm. are unashamed yes. of you, Lord, at a time such as this. We pray this in the matchless name of yes. Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. And I want to give a shout out to our, our uh, a number of different people, med- our medical practitioners, people on the front lines. Um, we have uh, people in our church community who are serving in different ways. We have, we have uh, one person who's an ICU nurse here at a hospital. We have someone who works security. We have uh, receptionists. We have pharmacists. We have people who really are seeing uh, the challenges uh, up close and personal every day. And uh, man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for the way you sacrifice and are putting yourself out there for those in the, the fire department, police department, um, store workers. I mean, you're still out there. You're still out there. You're seeing people every day. So thank you guys, man. We praise God for you. Uh, man, our lives have changed so dramatically since last week when we met. Um, it's hard to believe. It's only been a week. And, 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 and since last week, here in the state of Illinois, we've now received a stay-at-home order except for essential um, businesses. Uh, we came in today because we believe the church is essential, and we believe that God has us here to be an encouragement to you all, and we know that God's truth abides and remains no matter what goes on around us, so that's why we're here. This is why we're doing this, church. Um, life has changed a lot, though. I mean, just in the past week, there's been 140,000 new cases globally of the coronavirus since the last time we met. 7,000 people died since last week, Sunday. The coronavirus has infected 188 countries, some 27,000 people in the United States alone. And uh, we're we're feeling this, man. We're feeling this burden. And many of us have also experienced uh, um, loss in different ways. Uh, Certainly, we're grieving with those who are grieving. We're concerned. We're, We're watching our own health. But we've also been stripped away of some things that have been very dear to us like visiting family, right? Uh, maybe visiting an elderly grandparent or parent. Uh, maybe some of us are feeling the, the pressure of, of not having some of our amenities that we're used to. Sports have been canceled. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, restaurants have been closed except for takeout. Uh, travel is no more. Things that we hold dear to us have been taken away, but what's happened is, as a result, we're home more, and many of us are feeling depressed, Many of us are feeling discouraged, and we're just kind of like, man, I, I don't know what to do with all of this. As we were praying through as a leadership what to do and what to bring before the church family, um, what seemed really clear to us was that God wanted us to encourage you to drop the anchor in the midst of this storm. You see, anchors are made to help a boat remain in place so it doesn't drift away in the midst of intense winds. And we are experiencing intense winds in our country and in this world. And so we're going to drop the anchor. But this is the cool thing. We don't drop the anchor in the sense that we just plant our feet and we just stick it out by our own strength. But for us, we plant the anchor by looking up. 
We do this by setting our eyes on our God who is stable in the midst of instability. There is a God who reigns. And you need to understand something. Instability on earth doesn't mean instability in heaven. Just because it's a mess down here doesn't mean God's powerless up there. See, God is still in control no matter what's taking place around us. And I think a lot of us, by way of reminder, need to hear this. You know, the days ahead of us may even be more difficult. But we need to know that God remains in control. And so what we decided to do is take a couple weeks here to talk about how to drop the anchor in our, in our lives, how to make sure our hope is placed upon God alone. In order to do that today, we're going to talk about what God has to say in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Would you turn your Bibles there? Open your apps there. Isaiah chapter 6. This is the passage that Josh read for us uh, a few moments ago. In this passage, we see one of the most man, vivid throne room images of God himself. And it comes from the pen of Isaiah the prophet. This is what God's word says in Isaiah chapter 6 in the opening verses. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And look at Isaiah's response. He said, and I said, woe is me. Can you say woe is me from your, from your house right there? Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the fire, from the altar, And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Send me. This is God's word. Father, I do pray you speak through me, Lord. God, uh, that you would allow God such a broken vessel as myself, to speak in such a way that lifts high the beauty and majesty of your name, Lord. And God, I pray that your spirit would work through through the medium of a live stream service right now, God. That the same spirit that speaks through me would move into the hearts of these living rooms and bedrooms God, I pray that you would just do a beautiful thing in showing us, God, that you are not bound by anything. I pray that your word will come forth in power, passion, and persuasion. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a fascinating passage because it tells us something about the fact that God is stable 
in the, most, in the midst of unstable times. It, it highlights the very thing you and I need to know in this time. Maybe you're listening today and you don't have this stability in your life. In fact, you're, you're anxious. You're trying to figure out, man, like, I don't know how we're going to pay my mortgage, my rent, my bills. Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through emotionally. I'm lonely. I'm getting depressed. Maybe some of you are listening right now and you don't even know God himself and you're just saying, I'm just reaching for something right now. This, this is what God wants you to reach for, and it's him. It says here in the passage, in the year that King Uzziah died. Again, this is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Let me tell you something about King Uzziah. King Uzziah reigned over the throne of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, for some 52 years. That's a long time. On top of that, Uzziah was an influential king. During his kingdom, the people of Israel made technological advances. During his reign, there was prosperity in the land. There was peace in the land. They, in fact, they invented militaristic uh, warfare weaponry to help protect their borders, and their borders were secure. Under Uzziah's reign, people lived abundant lives. But the problem for Uzziah was this. As he grew older, his success caused him to grow in pride. And you know what it says, pride comes before the fall, just like the summer, right? And there Uzziah experiences this pride, this arrogance of heart. God strikes him with leprosy, a skin disease. And until the day of his death, Uzziah hardens his heart. But the people of Israel at the day of his death, experience massive mourning. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Stability for some 52 years. Peace from war. Financial prosperity. Looking around and seeing abundance. And in a moment, they lose their king. And they're hearing echoes of a distant country called Assyria coming to their doorsteps now. And life has been turned upside down. And here the people of God are like, what's going on? In the year that King Uzziah died, God gives Isaiah this vision in the midst of unstable times. Look at the vision that God gives Isaiah. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. You notice the word Lord is actually with a capital L but lowercase which is to signify in our English language that in the Hebrew, this is the name of Adonai. See, the name of God that is Adonai appeals to his sovereign rulership. He, he is the master over everything. And Isaiah's like, I saw the ruler sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. Isaiah sees the king on his throne while the king on earth has died. Look at, look at here. Judah's throne was vacated, but heaven's throne remained, church. No matter what took place in the mess, God was not powerless. God remained still there. And Isaiah is seeing this in this moment of instability that God remains in place. Church, we need to see what he sees here. He sees the Lord sitting on his throne, the ruler, high and lifted up. 
And a train of his robe filled the temple. I love this imagery. The train of his robe. This is like the hem of the Lord's garment. And Isaiah is there looking at the temple in the throne room of God. And he's looking for ways to explain God. And he's like, the train of his robe filled the temple. Like, he's at a loss for words. He doesn't even know how to put into words, how to articulate what he's seeing. And so he explains God's robe. There God is, filling the temple with the corner of his robe, let alone the rest of his presence. This is what Isaiah sees. And then above God stood seraphim. The word seraphim means burning ones. It is the plural of the word seraph. These are angelic creatures. Isaiah describes them as having six wings. And I love what they do with these six wings. With two of the wings, they cover their eyes because they are beholding God himself. With two of these wings, they cover their feet because they are on holy ground. And with two, they fly. And as they fly, they are calling one to another in verse 3, saying this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They are singing to one another, we're told in verse 3. So these angelic creatures are there in this vision, and I believe that are there right now, this very moment, doing the same thing. They are declaring something about God. And they say he is holy, and he is holy, and he is what, church? He is holy. See, in the Hebrew language, to say something three times is like a, to say something with a superlative way. That is like we would say in English, he is very, very, very holy. The angelic creatures are there, and they're looking for ways to describe God, and they say, he's holy. To be holy is to be set apart. Like, God is just different than us. His perfection radiates this temple. His purity fills this place, and they're like, he's holy. And on top of that, the whole earth is full of the Lord's glory. See, the name Lord there now is in all caps. The Lord of hosts is the name Yahweh Tsebaot, which means the uh, Lord's armies. They're expressing, they're, 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 they're articulating God's power. He's not only Adonai ruling, but he's also Yahweh who is powerful. And his glory fills the earth. I find this remarkable. Because our earth is also filled with sin, isn't it? Our our earth is filled with brokenness, disease. But to say those things is not to say that it's not also filled with God's glory. See, God's presence remains everywhere. He is omnipresent. And these angelic creatures are just acknowledging what they see, that our God is different. He is exalted. He is holy. And at their expressing, look at verse 4, the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. The thresholds shook at the voice of the seraphim. God hasn't even spoken yet. Imagine when he does. Church, we need to see God like this right now. We got to see him in his exalted place. He's sitting on his throne. He's not pacing about worried. He's not on his knees afraid. He's not looking around saying, who dropped the ball here? He's sitting on his throne 
in the posture of ruling. You and I need to see this. He is ruling as the God above all creation, holy and splendorous, filling even this broken earth with his glory. So I'm thinking about this virus and all that's been taking place. We want to give hope to God's people and to our world. But, but here's something. This, this has been hard. I've been wrestling with this. We also need to discern, church, the why of what's happening. Now, now we, we don't know God's will always. We, we can't fully understand. But one thing I see is that oftentimes in Scripture, God sends pestilence and plague for the purpose of calling people to repent of their idolatry and come back to their God. And I just wonder if God is calling us as a church in America and church throughout the world and the world as a whole to repent from our idolatry and come to him. I mean, just think about this. Think about all the idols, all our American idols. Sports, they've been stripped from us. Food via restaurants and sitting in, it's been stripped from us. We make an idol of travel and leisure and luxury. It's been stripped from us. Idol of education. Graduations are being canceled. I mean, we, we have set up so many idols. We've taken good things and made them into God things. And God's like, that is not okay. Yeah. And so I just wonder if right now God's like, look at me. I'm not stripped from you. I need you to set your gaze upon me as the king of eternity and not get it twisted about who or what you worship. I just wonder if God is calling us to listen up. While we are socially isolated church, look at this through the lens of saying, God, are you grabbing my attention? Can quarantine actually lead to spiritual growth? Man, let it be, right? Let's dig in the word. Let's take into to heart what Psalm 46 when, says when God says, be still and know that I am God. Just the other day, our, our daughter said, you know, it's funny. I almost asked, hey, what are we doing tomorrow? And we just kind of laugh. We're like, we're doing what everyone else is doing. Absolutely nothing, right? And, and so we look at this and we're saying, when we can't get out, we can't be busy. We make an idol of busyness. And when we can't do, what are we to do? And God's like, be still. No, that I'm God. I will be exalted. Maybe Psalm 91 is what you'll meditate on where it says, God is my refuge. Or maybe Colossians 1, 15 to 20, you can meditate on the supremacy of Jesus Or maybe you can look at Galatians 5 and the empowering work of the Holy Spirit or the saving work of the gospel in Ephesians 2. But let this time be a time where you look upon the throne room of God and you say, God, everything's been stripped. Maybe even my health. But you remain. You remain. Warren Wiersbe said this. He says, when the outlook is bleak, try the uplook. This is what Isaiah 6 is telling us. Though the outlook is bleak, church, try the uplook and watch God on his throne and say, Lord, though life is unstable on earth, that doesn't mean you are unstable in the heavens. 
Though it's a mess in the world, doesn't mean you're powerless in glory. And this is what Isaiah is seeing. During these times, as we drop the anchor, we set our gaze upon God. But notice something here. When we look upon God, there's a a response that Isaiah has that God wants you and I to have. Because yes, we see God and that's awesome. But when we see God, it's like a mirror to our own soul and we see in our own heart our sin and our filth. Look at verse 5. Isaiah's like, woe is me. The word woe is like, it's ruin. There's grief. There's despair upon me. For I'm lost and I, and I am un, uh, a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is acknowledging that in God's presence, he realizes how small he is. When I was in high school, and I've shared this story with you guys before, um, our youth group um, that we were connected with called Inner City Impact went on a trip. Erica and I were part of this group. We went out to the West Coast, and we went and saw the Grand Canyon. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget standing there at the edge and looking at this enormous gulf. And in that moment, I had an overwhelming sense of how small I was. And that's what God's presence does to us. It gives us an overwhelming sense of how small we are, how sinful we are. And Isaiah's like, man, God, my sin is ever before me. Woe is me. I'm an, I got unclean lips, and the people I live among have unclean lips. And I found this interesting. Why, like, why not say I got an unclean heart, right? Or I've got unclean thoughts or actions. Why unclean lips? One scripture we find that this description of what exits to our lips comes from our heart. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. And Isaiah's like, our lips are bad because our hearts are bad. And here I am in the presence of a holy God. I'm, I'm, I'm undone. Also notice the personal repentance. He notices his own shortcomings, and then he notices, notices the national shortcomings. Church, as we, as we come before God and we acknowledge ways perhaps that we've made idols of other things, let's begin in our own hearts, saying, God, forgive me for being so busy, for putting things in front of you. And then, God, forgive us as a country. Forgive us as your creation for putting you aside. There is Isaiah, lost, confused, and if the story ends there, he's a goner. The story ends there for you and I, it's a, we're goners. But what God does so remarkably here is he meets him in this place. This is God's grace. This is the anchor in our troubled times. In verse 6, one of the seraphim, one of these angelic beings, go and grab some tongues from the altar and pick up a piece of coal. And they bring this hot piece and put it to Isaiah's lips. And they tell Isaiah at this point in verse 7, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. What God is saying is, Isaiah, I am allowing you to be in my presence because I'm choosing to cleanse you here from the sin that you clearly see in your life. Isaiah feels this, he sees it, and now he knows that God has forgiven him. See, the way we drop the anchor is we set our eyes upon God, but we can't stay there. We have also actually need to repent of our sin and then also receive God's 
forgiveness. Isaiah is a prophet. And his mission then would be to tell God's people to turn from their sin and turn back to God. But listen up. God's people don't listen to the prophets. God sends Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and the list goes on and on and on. And they don't listen to the prophets who are telling them to repent, come back to God. And the truth of the matter is the prophets were trying to say, come back, you you need forgiveness. But whatever forgiveness they could offer took place in the temple, which was always a temporary kind of thing. See, what God ends up doing is this, as we fast forward into the New Testament. He's like, my prophets aren't getting through, so I'm going to come down on my own. I'm going to take on human flesh. I'm going to walk this earth to offer a cleansing of their lips, but also a cleansing of their hearts so that through Jesus' death and resurrection, you can be forgiven, you can behold God's majesty, and you can actually remain in his presence without condemnation. That's an anchor in troubled times, church. This past week, I was talking to a woman in our community who I just was overwhelmed with joy at her search for life. But I was also overwhelmed with the need that she had for Jesus. And as I was talking with her, we're, we're talking about ways um, that we, people try to better themselves. And what I wanted her to see was these things are merely behavior modification. But, but actually, you can't cleanse your own heart. And it was God who, who did this. But at that moment, she looked at me. Her eyes got big. She said, huh. I never thought about that. I can't, I can't clean my heart. She needed the anchor, Jesus. I was able to tell her that Jesus took her sin for her. And when she puts her faith in him, she will be forgiven. She didn't do so in that moment, church. I'm praying for her. But she's not the only one in our world who needs to know this. Isaiah needed to hear this. You and I need to be reminded of this. As Isaiah understood the outlook to be bleak, he turned to the uplook and saw God in his glory and in his forgiving power. Isaiah did nothing to earn it, but God gave it to him. The following verses here, God says this. He speaks to Isaiah. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? The triune God is there saying, all right, now i got a plan. Who's going to go for me? And Isaiah right away says, here I am, send me. I love his enthusiasm. Like, I love this. When, when I'm leading games for the Brook youth, sometimes I'll be like, Who, I, I need a volunteer. And I love when one of the youth shoots their arms up, and I'm like, man, you don't even know what you're volunteering for. And so I'm just, I had to laugh, and they're kind of like, I'm sure it's going to be good. And so we'll proceed and tell them what they're volunteering for. And I love that Isaiah has this kind of enthusiasm right now. God's like, Who, whom should I send? Who's going to go for us? And Isaiah's like, I'll do it. But Isaiah doesn't know the mission. But what Isaiah does know is this. His God's on his throne. His sin is before him. But his God forgave him of his sin. And Isaiah's like, what else have I to do but take your mission, God, no matter what it is? You see, what I find often happens when we are isolated, like many of us are right now, it's easy to become very ingrown, isn't it? I mean, I'm struggling with this every day. 
Um, I'm thinking about my own plans, my own schedule. I'm like, how do I make things work? I'm finding myself more connected to the news. I'm thinking more about myself, but I'm not always reaching out to others. And in the midst of this distancing, it's easy to become selfish and self-focused. But when people, the people of God have been forgiven, we can we, we can't help but say, God, use me to go where you want me to go, to do what you want me to do. So I want to encourage you, as you gain a vision of God's glory, as you drop the anchor in the stability of God's character, don't just stay there, but then say, God, how can I then be your representative, be your, uh, your messenger to bring hope to other people? Who, who can I call? Who can I FaceTime? How, how can I reach out to other people in the midst of all this? That, that's what it's called. That's what it's like to love God and to love our neighbor. Church, we, we don't know what's in front of us. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And as Isaiah sees God in his power and in his majesty, it's an invitation for you and I to do the same thing. It's an invitation for us to say, God, here I am. God, I'm, I'm looking upon you. You stripped away so much from me, but you are what remains. Church, let's just stabilize ourselves in God's presence because of him. Look upon the gospel of Jesus Christ as our strength because there is a stable God in an unstable world. And just because the world is a mess, it doesn't mean that God is powerless. This is the Christian hope in times like these. This is how we are to operate and live when so many people are confused. Just identify someone in your life who needed to hear this today. Make it your point. Before this day, the sun sets. Reach out to them. Let them know that God's on his throne. Let them know that God's still in control. And through the hurt and pain, he's still at work drawing people like you and me to himself. When the outlook is bleak, church, let's try the uplook. And behold God in his glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm just so thankful, God, that you don't leave us to our own devices to figure out life when things are so crazy like they are right now. God, for, for the ones who are just really anxious, Maybe they're feeling a little sick right now and they're, they're unsure and they're afraid. God, I pray for your healing, first of all. And I pray, second of all, that they would see you through the pain, Lord. God, I, I lift up my brothers and my sisters who are super lonely right now. God, I, I pray that you would comfort them, that as they behold your glory, that they would remember that you are with them, that just as the hem of your garment, fill the temple. God, you can fill the place where they are at and they can experience your nearness, Lord, even in isolation. God, I pray for those who are watching in right now who, who don't know Jesus and who are saying, God, I, I think you're really out there. I see the uncleanness of my lips. I see how I sin against you and God, I need you. God, I pray that that, that man, that woman, that youth would just cry out to you and say, God, forgive me. I want forgiveness. I want a new life. I want to experience what Isaiah experienced, and now I want to live for you. Lord, I pray that you would enable us, that you would empower us, God, 
to be your church. That we could be a voice of hope when people are despairing, God. That we could, we could proclaim an anchor in you, God, when people feel like their boats are drifting, God. And God, so long as the forecast of our world yields storms and lightning and thunder, God, I pray that we would hold on tightly to the boat of your presence and power, God, and be anchored down in you. Father, we love you. We trust you, God. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Church, would you rise to your feet where you're at right now? And we've still got songs to sing, right? We got a song to sing in our hearts. Let the worship be lifted up to that throne room of God. And in your heart of hearts, would you behold God's glory as we close in this final song? Let's sing, church. Man, I love the declaration of that song. Like Jesus is all we need. Our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit remains. He is constant when things are a mess. He remains powerful and not powerless. Church, um, I just want you guys to go out with that encouragement. Um, Listen here. We're going to keep trying to spur one another on. We need to be the church to one another throughout this week. Hit up that brother, that sister who you know uh, maybe might be having a hard time. Let them know that they're not alone. Please join in that Zoom call that Pastor Jeremy was talking about. We're actually really excited about this because it's going to give us an opportunity for everyone to see each other face-to-face simultaneously who are in those RCs and to be able to talk and communicate. Uh, We're trying to keep those gatherings simple, but we just really want to hear where you're at. Pray for, pray with one another. So that'll be uh, via Zoom. Look out for the email. Look out for our social media posts. And if, again, you've never been a part of a real community, we want to connect you with one. So please reach out to us through any of those platforms, uh, uh, social media or through email. And we want to connect you ASAP with a a real community group. Um, Before we dismiss you guys, I want to pronounce God's blessing over you through this benediction, which means blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Church, uh, you're going to have refreshments in your refrigerator you can go to and eat. And so go do so with God's uh, help and his strength. You're dismissed. Raid the refrigerator and cabinets and pantries. (laughs) Love you guys. Take care.